Hey, this is John Reap from the Country-ish Podcast on the All Things Comedy Network. No sports? No problem. My bookie offers the latest and most popular sport game titles and state-of-the-art software. No need to leave the comfort of your home. It's all at your fingertips. Featuring a truly flawless live casino, complete with professional dealers, as well as a large selection of classic and progressive slots games, plus the greatest selection of video poker variants. They really do offer something for everyone. Take advantage of their daily promotions for the casino, which includes bonuses, cash backs, raffles, free chips, and free spins for you to increase your chances of winning every single day. Also, you can put your skills to the test in their latest free blackjack and slots tournaments, which includes a free 10K prize pool blackjack tournament. Stuck at home? Don't even sweat it. They got you covered. Join now and start winning big today. Sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for a payout? My bookie pays fast when you win. With decades of experience, great customer service, and hassle-free transactions, why would you bet anywhere else? Visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code ATCCASINO for a 150% bonus on your first deposit. Bet with the biggest, win with the best, only at my bookie. It's maybe the night that my dreams might let me know. All the stars are closer, all the stars are closer. Tell me what you gonna do to me. Confrontation ain't nothing new to me. You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue, but you can't bring the truth to me. Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and Scissor. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Don't try to run, don't try to hide. You're still your car without thinking twice. Stop the party, hide your shit. Believe this is the hell tonight. Whoa! Yeah, I, that's right. I, mean, I always run to the convenience of the airport. I run to Damarera, Denver. It's like usually it's like a hub city. It's like Denver or Chicago. Chicago. You always run into people. They're running for planes. You're running for planes. I ran into um, uh, Monroe Martin, like, you know, in Nashville. You know, you always run to the convenience <laughs> I ran into, um, I saw um, that um, Kevin Nealon. Yeah, I do his golf tournament. I saw he was in Arizona. No, he was, yeah, we were, we were catching different flights. Who else have seen before? Foxworthy, huh? Earthquake. Earthquake. He lives across the street from me. I used to. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen him, but he lives right across the street from me. I always say, Earthquake. What's that? <laughs> Terrible. You know, I'm, I'm usually on my balcony. He's on his balcony. You know. What's up, fool? What's, What's up, up fool? Food? Podcast with Felipe Esparza and Rodrigo Torres. Yeah, man. What's up, fool? You got a show coming up. Chilling, dude. Friday, Friday, 8 15 p.m. We have a surprise Friday. for you, bro. What happened? I don't know here yet. Um. Shame Ice House, it. Stage 2, 815 with Swing in Chile, Armando Cosillo, Juan Garcia, and myself. Yeah, man. Stage 2, Ice House. What happened? We got your surprise. It's not here yet, but we got your Yemen yeah, shirts. <laughs> For your show on... Tight, on, on, on And we're going to have some fucking uh, Yeah, man shirts. Yeah, man shirts. <laughs> so come out, man. Support, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It'll be the only, the only time you'll see Yeah, man shirts. <laughs> Exclusively. 60 made. <laughs> That's it, man. 
about 60 made. Um, medium. What size is? Medium to two eggs. Oh, yeah, thank you guys very there. much on the real man. Thank you for everything. And then, yeah, then that'll be your cut. <laughs> right here, we got to talk to the accountants. Divvy if you ever want divs. more t-shirts, of course, there'll be a deal made. But now, yeah, uh, man, there'll be yeah, t-shirts. Yeah, That's you, it, man. people. He got merch. Rodrigo's first ever merch. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. T-shirts. I think, I think there's a podcast logo on the back of the t-shirt, but the front says Sweet. "Yeah, man." And Rodrigo's name is on the bottom of the t-shirt. Uh-huh. Yeah, Rodrigo. Hell, hell yeah. Yeah, your Twitter will be on the bottom. You so, heard it here, man. We heard it here, podcast. fool. Tell Chepo, bro. No, bring, no, bring no fucking merch, bro. <laughs> Can I sell my CD? All <laughs> right, man. Before we start, man, your dates on Saturday, and yeah. we're gonna introduce Jimmy Schubert right now. But Hell yeah. do you have any dates you want to plug, Jimmy Schubert? You know what, man? I, you know, I, I'm just taking uh, the, uh, this month. I finally, like, uh, you know, I have not stopped working since I came off last comic stand. All right, I mean, you know, busy, you know, dog. I mean, you literally, I, I mean, I, it's been like a year, and I feel like I got, I mean, I, it's like I got a job laying brick every <laughs> week, man. Every week, I, I just, I, I was just like, so I just come up with, I got a couple, I got like three corporate dates that are like one, like I got, I, I did one, I got one coming this Saturday, I got one at the end of the month where you were talking about that fan and Alonzo Bowden, and I just was like that's it that's all i want to do for august and, and september the same thing i just want to slow down i want to concentrate on in-town stuff so uh, i really i got a podcast yeah I, I i have a podcast but i stopped doing it just because i haven't been here I, it's possible to do i i just i can only be so many places at one time but I, i'm gonna i think i'm gonna pick up the mantle again and start doing it because the mantle <laughs> yeah yeah it's big, big, get back get back in there and start flapping my cake all into a microphone Everybody, everybody's doing it all the kids my age is doing it so i, it's, I figured I, I might as well kids today with your podcast and, and your weird math and your information super highway. Back when I started doing comedy, we didn't have jokes. We had to jump in the audience and tickle people. No, no, I was just uh, no, but we uh, no, it's all it's all good. Yeah, I, this is so many like it's so funny because. You know, when I started doing this, I mean, it was just enough to worry about being funny yeah. and, and doing the jokes. And now, like with social media, I mean, it's like a full time job. I mean, you got to get up every day. You got to go. I gotta, I'm going to do an hour of social media stuff. I write some jokes for social media. I got to do my. I got to put up my tour dates and, and and do my stuff on my website. Oh, yeah. I got to do that. I got to write. I got to write some jokes for my act. I got. I got. You know, you got other people's podcasts you're doing. You got to figure out your own podcast. It's a, it's a it's a. I don't know who ruined it. it. Used to be a great job. You could sleep till twelve, get up, fart, burp, go back. <laughs> The bed, get those, some those lunch. Those are the good old days. Yeah, they, I used to. Those that was my, my first um, comedy business card. Said I read on the bottom. Please do not call me before noon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no yeah. business. Baby. Yeah, one of my business cards. One of my first business cards said set up punchlines, callbacks, solid stand-up comedy. You know, <laughs> solid. Well, you know, it's. I mean, it's. It's uh yeah so I'm doing it I'm doing that casino date at the end of the month I think it's the 31st of August with uh, Dat Fan Alonzo I think John Heffron's like you're doing it. Yeah, doing yeah, it yeah 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 so that'll be oh, a, yeah. that'll be a monster show that's yeah. that's going to be a monster show uh plus it's great to work with Alonzo and, and yourself uh, you know I happen to be you know I'm not only do you do comedy but I, I happen to be a fan of comedy I love watching guys do it and that do it like you know I I just watched Jimmy Norton's uh, Netflix special last night. I mean you watch you, you know you watch guys do it. you go it keeps you working man it keeps yeah. you it, it keeps it's it's like it's like everybody's writing a new hour every year I mean some guys should take it a little longer than a year to really flush it out <laughs> yeah but it, but it but it's but it's at that pace it's like kind of you know you gotta keep doing it. I mean I just finished working on an hour myself I'm getting ready to do a Netflix special we were supposed to tape in September but uh, they had problems with the venue they had to back Nashville. Out. 
I was going to do Nashville, yeah. Yeah, so it was Joe Diaz. Yeah, they. they, they what well, happened? Well, here's what happened, man. They had problems with the venue. They don't have any air conditioning. Oh, you my. know, and it was hot back then. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like you go to Nashville in August. You don't have air conditioning. <laughs> you better oven. recognize it's going to be hot. <laughs> I mean, you know, how do you keep you? Go, first off, it's a, it's a, the seat. The, the theater seats about two eighty eight, and with the camera kills about two fifty, which is no big deal. I mean, that's a nice little kind of old theater. It was like nineteen sixty six. It's got a kind of cool little vibe to it. I've been there. I checked it out, but. You can't have, you gotta have air conditioning because the camera equipment's gonna be hot. I mean, you'll be up there sweating and you'll look like, it'll look like, it'll look like garbage. You can't have it. You gotta have, and the venue, uh, you know, they had problems in August. So they moved it back to September. And then a couple other people pulled out and, and the guy that was producing said, you know what? Give me my, give me my money back. I'm pulling out too, unless you guys can guarantee me that there's going to be air conditioning. I don't blame them because that's a lot of money to spend. You're out there spending a lot of money to do these things. And we're talking about air conditioning. You know what I mean? I mean, it's so they, they pushed him back. He's going to regroup and, uh, and we're going to do him eventually. I will figure it out, you know. But, uh, but yeah, we're supposed to, I'm supposed to do him with Diaz and Steve Simone and a couple guys. But, you know, things happen in show business. You got to improvise. Air conditioning, bro. <laughs> Hell yeah. I call the Maytag Manny. That's funny, yeah. man. You still deposit down for the theater. $46,000. Damn. You figured th- they could use that money to fix the air conditioning. Now, that's funny. When we now, I did a, I shot, a, we did a movie called I'm Not Like That No More. It was based on my stand up comedy. Right. It went straight to iTunes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we had a premiere at the Ricardo Motaban Theater. Paul yeah. Rodriguez played my father. You know, it was just a little. Hey. A, a little showing just for us. We had a lot of people there. It was packed. Their um, their their um, their tape runner, the, their the, projector, the projector broke. Oh wow! Halfway no, through, huh? I was like, "You guys have another one?" No. Well, you know anything else? So then we stopped halfway. Nobody got to see the ending. Damn. That's but that's crazy. I mean, that, you're in that business. Yeah. You know, I mean, like you know, your comedy club. You go, hey, your microphone's not working. You got another microphone? Yeah, I haven't done a microphone. It's a simple, basic thing, you know? <laughs> Little basic things. Doesn't touch, take much to run a comedy show. You need lights. You need somewhere where everybody can look at you and, and a working microphone. It's pretty simple. I remember they, they canceled a gig on me in Chicago and um, that, that club over there in Chicago, North, North Chicago, not Zany, but the one in Riddles. Riddles. And the, the guy Park. said that, um, yeah, man, our kitchen just turned broke. We have, nothing, we have no food and we can't cook. So the show has to be canceled. I'm about to cancel you. That's ridiculous. Go go get that, White Castle, dog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a White Castle right across the street, hey, man. Order hey, burger, order pizzas. I have some pizzas coming. <laughs> Make a deal with a restaurant. You know people. Yeah, yeah. dog. That's a ridiculous reason to cancel a show. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not uh, that's not a you know an act of God weather. I get you know <laughs> nobody God. showed earthquake, up. Earthquake, earthquake, you know something like that. A blizzard, a blizzard. Your, your, only your two followers showed up to the show, you know, that you, 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 your two Twitter followers showed up. They drove in from, uh, they drove in from, uh, Wisconsin down there to Chicago. That's usually what happens. Like, you get a, you get the hardcore fans there, the hardcore ones. Oh, the homemade oh, man. t-shirt. So you're from Wisconsin? Nah, Mac, I'm kidding. I drove in from. Indiana, man. Far. Yeah, I've had people drive I in. I make a bus for this. Well, show, you know, the funny thing, because that's why I never, I like, people always go, man, how can you, like, you go work hard. So I go, yeah, I work hard on stage because you never know. People come, drive, they drive distances to, to come see your show. I, I, I don't care if there's four people or 10 people or whatever. Uh, and it hasn't been like that lately, but I mean, you know, I've had, I believe me, I used to do the old, we used to do the old Laugh Factory, you know, go on like, you know, I mean, this is way back before we did the expansion, back before he had a liquor license. He used to sell Zimas and bottles of water. No, he used to, the, the, the the next, yeah, and, and it used to be a Chinese place next to it, but he, but back in, you know, back in the LA cabaret days, I was like, you know, you go up and, there's even four people, five people. Chrissy Francis's L.A. Comedy Room. There used to be like, you know, 
<laughs> doing our shows lately. Ale Cabaret was in um, um, Balboa, in the valley, right? Yeah. Was and, a, uh, and they had two rooms. They, they had a, two rooms, and they were both empty. And then the, the, I remember doing a big room one time on Thanksgiving Day. It was a black show, and there was like 20, 35 people there. Yeah, it's uh, those were the, yeah. That's that's so funny that you you. I mean, people forget. Like I remember, I remember when like in L.A. when I got here, I was like eighty five, eighty six, and I had done comedy for a couple of years in Philly, and you could like you know, and I kind of just I used to go to the Natural Fudge. You know, like a I started mo- there. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Like just a what? natural. Yeah, yeah, like the natural fudge. A Monday nights. So, yeah, Monday nights. Me, me and News Levesey, we would go. With Brenda Roberts yeah. and Johnny Roberts. Yeah, we would go to. I'm a TV kid. Yeah, yeah, we would do the natural <laughs> fudge. Then we'd shoot over to Monty Steakhouse in Westwood. And you go up there. You got, it was on the top floor. And then you, you go do that. And then you could finish your gig. You drive down to the Alley Cat Bistro in Culver City. And you shoot up to the comedy store. There used to be a silver screen jazz room right next to the comedy store. You used to do a comedy room there mm-hmm. on a Monday night. And then you can get to the comedy store on Monday night and do a late night spot. And the first night I did, I did five, like, 20-minute spots, like, 15, 20-minute spots. I was like, yeah, I didn't feel like an open micer anymore. I felt like I was a real professional comedian. But that's, I mean, that's all I cared about was doing stand-up. I, I mean, I worked my day job to pay my bills, and then it was out, and I was out till, like, 2 in the morning just running and gunning and doing stand-up comedy. I would do my spot, run to the next place, do a spot. That's all I cared about. I didn't care about anything else. And and if you're trying to, to like, you know, I don't know that you could do that now because everybody's got bringer rooms and stuff right, like right. that. And I tell you, like, I, I've seen, like, others cities you know they really encourage like the second string they encourage the third string they encourage these open mic guys because they're going to be the guys coming up you know that you got to have a second and third string they don't do that here in los angeles they really don't encourage talent and i I guess there's so many people doing it they can't but uh, i mean back in the day i I gotta tell you it it was we used used to hustle man we used to hustle me and noodle and we would and he would sit in the back and take notes on my act and sit in the back take notes on his act we'd jump in the car drive to the next place i mean it was a it was it was different it was a kind of a camaraderie you know it was it was uh it was it was different and then we go and of course you're at the comedy store you're watching richard Pryor. You're watching Robin Williams. I used to watch Robin Sam Kinison. Sam Kinison. I toured with Kinison for like five years, man. No, I was like, like comedy, yeah, right? dude. That was that was uh, that was insanity. <laughs> I felt like I felt like I was a member of a rock and roll band. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I, no, but I mean, you're on a bus. You're doing seventy cities. You're hanging out with Kinison. You know, the, you know, there was a he was a you know the most. Um, controversial comedian in America at the time and he had a band closing the show. I mean, he really went in with a full show. He had four guys opening up for him, you know, the Outlaws of Comedy and uh, you're getting to play all these great little theater venues and a lot of them like Cincinnati, like, you know, the Soul Cooties and I really, I always would like lo- love to see who played the theater, you know. I like... I like 8x10s and yeah, shit. Yeah, all the 8x10s and there's a Chicago theater and stuff like that. You Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis and all, you see all these guys that played the theater so like kind of like, you know, but uh, that's really kind of where I kind of formed my uh, in the, like uh, developed in front of those large audiences, you know. And you're watching a guy like Kinnison, and and you know they would help you with stuff. They would go, "Hey, you know, on that joke, don't do it like that. Do it like this." And you know, would give that joke an extra minute because the laugh's going to go out. It's going to come back. I mean, I did the Universal Amphitheater. We did the Universal Amphitheater. Then we went to the Van Nuys Airport, jumped on Lear jets, flew to Vegas, and then we did it like a three a.m. in the morning show. And it was like it was like it was it was insanity. That's I mean, badass, huh? No, that, Hell yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that like that's like I mean, you know, and Sam Kinison was doing the whole outlaws of comedy thing. He did it before they did the Kings of Comedy, before they did the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. I mean, Sam was the first guy to bring a bunch of guys on the road with him like that. So that kind of idea. I mean, you know, the Rat Pack guys used to do that too. So it's, it wasn't his idea, but he kind of brought it. 
to that, comedy. Yeah, he kind of brought it back, and yeah, and but but now you know, I mean, you look look at Jeff Foxworthy did with with the with the blue collar guys. I mean, all those guys became huge in their own right. I mean, that's that's and that's that's amazing. Like I I mean, and I don't know who the comedian's name is. There's a comedian who used to MC that show, and he used to bust uh, Jeff Foxworthy's balls before he's going on stage. Hey, can I get that thirty five dollars for the taxi that I took from the airport? <laughs> and Jeff Foxworthy's getting ready to go on stage. He goes, Are you serious? You kidding me? And he kept doing it to him. And he finally fired the guy, and he got <laughs> and he got Larry the Cable, and he got Larry the Cable guy, and Larry the Cable guy was hosting it, and he quickly wound up headlining it. And all those guys, I mean, Ron, I think uh, Ron White was uh, pretty much kind of like done, and and you know, and Bill Langville, all those guys. I mean, see, that's the kind of cool thing when a guy like Jeff Foxworthy, who's so secure in his talent and ability, takes some dudes under his wing, and and they all become huge in their own right, and they all have guys opening for him and helping them out too. I mean, that's. That's the way it used to. You, I remember it used to be. It's, it seems like everybody's in competition with each other right now. You know, it's just weird. It's, you know, there's enough room for everybody. I think. <laughs> there's some cutthroats out Everybody there. wants to outfollow each other. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. There's, there's enough room for everybody. <laughs> there's enough room for everybody. Hell yeah. Whether you have 100 followers or 100,000, there's room for everybody. It really is. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, you, it's like golf. You know, I'm not, comp I'm not competing against the guys I'm playing with. I'm seeing how well I can play the game. Mm. I got enough. I got enough things to worry about. You know, you play a lot of golf when you're on the road. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not so not as much on the road as I used to. You know, because I used to do these creative gigs, like the creative entertainment gigs, where you were doing like you would do like a Friday and Saturday in like Greensboro, and then you drive. You know, you got to go do Prestonburg, Kentucky on a Wednesday, and and uh, you know Cedar Bluff, Virginia on a, on a Thursday, and then you got to go down to Knoxville on a Friday, Saturday. And I was in my car. I was like doing a thousand miles a week on my car. I felt like a trucker, but I had my clubs in the back just in case you had a day <laughs> off and you pull over and just go play golf. Kill an afternoon, but yeah, not so much. I like to I like to play out here. I don't like to lug my clubs with me now because I got you got merch and stuff. You're lugging. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's more of a business thing than you know. I don't. I mean, I I, I did recently though in June. Uh, I brought my clubs. I was doing a, like a, a golf uh, outing for a buddy of mine uh, named Steve Azar, who does a. They, it's called the Delta Soul. They they raise a lot of money for like kids to to help them learn music and write music and stuff. And then I I went and uh, played uh, went to Philadelphia, played with my brother. So I brought my sticks, and then I went up to Canada and uh, wound up playing three days with my buddy Rick Bronson up there at his club. So yeah, it's uh, once in a while I'll do it, but not not all the time. I really care. It's more about business, and I'm, I've been working on this new hour. So I've just been. It's all about the comedy at this point. What's up, fool? Jimmy Schubert, man. Hell yeah. Season eight finalist on yeah. Last Comic Standing. What was that like? Because I know what it was like for me. Well, Did you have to write down all your jokes and submit them to? Yeah. I mean, and, you had, and, and you had to do it. And I would lower a guy who doesn't know anything about funny was reading them and scratching them out. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, you a know. Lawyer. Well, you know, that's why the show. I mean, I, and I've seen a couple. I've seen it this time, like last season. They actually had it in theaters. They hadn't done the show in three years. They brought the show back. Yeah. They had Russell Peters, who uh, I got mad love for. They got Russell Peters and, uh, uh, and Roseanne and, and Keenan and the judges you could respect that have actually done it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and um, and uh, you know. So yeah, it's it's interesting, man. It's high, you've done it. It's high pressure, man. I mean, it's one thing to do it when you're doing it for fun, and now they got cameras in your face before you go on, after you come on. You got to submit your jokes, and you know, yeah. no product names. And you got to figure out how to, how to do the joke, and and really, you get four minutes and thirty seconds. I mean, you're talking about precision. You're talking about a little precision piece of comedy because it's like I got four minutes of every word and every joke's got to count. So it really kind of got me trimming down like bits down to like four minutes and thirty seconds. 
and I like I work like kind of in a comedic short story form. I like to go up and just talk about one topic and then beat it to death, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> here, boom, boom, and then uh, but but so but it was fun, man. It was fun yeah. to do that. And as soon as I came off the show, I started like. You know, letting the bits breathe and, and kind of, and I did. I was doing new bits. I was doing new bits on the show that I had done. I got bothered with network television. I'm, I'm going out with new bits about getting dumped via text message because I didn't want. Look, I didn't, <laughs> look, I didn't, I didn't want to do. Look, I could have done, you know, stuff that you've done for years, and I just thought that, like, you know, but and 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 of course, you know, if you go deep into the competition, you're going to have to tap into it. But I thought that I had some funnier stuff. I thought there's something that everybody could relate to, getting dumped via text message, you know, getting thumb dumped. And I wrote a whole bit about it. I thought it was great. But, you know, they, they were doing them in these venues. Like they did the comedy store. They did the improv. You know, and I – like the audiences of the improv for some reason. I don't know. They get a little – A little they stiff. Get, they get a little stiff. They're a little stiff. It's not like the Ice House. It's not like Flappers. I mean, Flappers and the Ice House and the comedy store, really, they got the best audiences. I mean, they're just – Working class, you know, blue collar people that just want to laugh, and I love those audiences. They're my, that's my crowd. But you get the the improv. They get a little, I don't know, they get a little hoity toity. And, and unfortunately, <laughs> and unfortunately, that's where they held the competition. They got voted off the show. <laughs> but I, but, I, but I, who cares, man? I had a blast doing it. It was fun to be part of it. You know, I, I made the top ten, which is all I really wanted to do. I did not want to yeah. make top five. I did not want to go on that tour in that bus with a broken toilet. So, you know, and a broken toilet. And, well, that's, how, how was that tour? I heard, <laughs> I heard, I heard. Three days in, someone someone broke the broke the toilet. So there was no toilet on the bus, and and, then, and they weren't even getting them hotel rooms. Whoa. They were sleeping on the bus. They had to shower at the venues to get ready for the shows, and they had to get on the bus and drive. I go, who? I mean, somebody made a lot of money, but it was not the comedians. Uh, you know, and and you're coming off the show when you're at your hottest, and then you're committed to a fifty city tour. So you know, I, I get it. It's become. It's like it's become like you know, it's a business thing. You, you know, I don't know if you if you guys went out and did your own tour. You had to do the tour the last. No, time. last time I did a tour, we did eighty shows. You did eighty shows, yeah, and it's and it's enough to make you snap. Yeah, those guys went to the snap. <laughs> Thank God you you can finish this, finish the tour. You got a callus on the roof of your mouth from a loaded revolver going. Okay, I gotta get off the tour. And, and um, those guys were getting um, they were getting a lot of shows. Like they were turning down shows during the tour they they couldn't do because they were committed to the tour. They were getting upset because they were making so little money. Yeah, on the tour and they were being offered like. Three times they were getting in that show to do one show next door, but they couldn't do it for the next 60 or 90 days. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, that's the problem. You with couldn't those go things. back to Dallas. No, no, you, and that's the problem is that, you know, once you, once you, once you do that, and, and that's, I guess that's part of, you know, there's, there's a trade out for that, but I just, like you said, I mean, I, what I did was I grabbed a, a very funny a female comedian named Zainab Johnson, who made, was a semifinalist. I thought she should have made the finals, but she didn't. But she was six foot tall. She's uh, got a shaved head. Oh, the black girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Zainab. And, and me and her just went out. I took her out to feature with me on the road, and we were packing out places. It was like a, it was like a mini kind of last comic standing thing. I go, I was out there selling out. I mean, you know, we were selling out joints. I was hitting bonuses. That my first time in my career, and I was. What's up, boy? Yeah, that's right. I'm a selling out joints. Respect. And, uh, yeah. I'm Going to, Do you uh, give me a suite now? Yeah. yeah. I'm, <laughs> hey, guess what? They gave me. I have press now. <laughs> yeah, I got, I, got, I got press. I can. I can leave my shoes outside. Someone would shine them for me and bring them back. <laughs>
was like, you know, you get the, you know, you got that, like some of those, uh, you, you, you know, it's nice because, you know, you do this for a long time. Well, you know, I, the thing I did like about last comic stand and the way they did it was not pretending now. I mean, you want to spend 12 hours on the sidewalk sleeping between a guy in a chicken outfit and a duck costume <laughs> to get your break in show business. You know what I mean? Because they used to do it. Like you're going competing against all these jackasses and you're going, look, I've been doing this for 15 years. They cut that out. They yeah. cut all that silliness out because you know, you can't, nobody's going to walk in off the street and compete with a guy like you or you. You think you've been doing it for, or, or myself? I mean, people have been doing it for 10, 15 years. I mean, you the know. Guys dressed like a spaceman. <laughs> yeah. Some guys in a gorilla costume. He wants to do, he wants to do five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Guys over there eating a banana with his foot. He wants to do a, he wants to do a, he wants to do a drop and do a guest set. You know? <laughs> My first time, our last comic standing, standing in line, there was a guy dressed up like a caveman. A half caveman, half pimp. <laughs> and he had jokes too. Yeah. I've been doing this for 10 years. Okay. <laughs> Where at? Yeah. Oh, I have a little Venice. shop somewhere. I, there's a, there's a comedy cavern. So you started yeah. count, you were a magician when you were 15? Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I, no, I, <laughs> yeah, man. You know what's funny? I still do it. I still actually, I still dabble in it. Uh, I still dabble in. Uh, what got you into that? Well, you know, man, it's funny. My brother Bobby played the drums. My brother Joey played guitar. My mom would drop them off for music lessons on a Monday night. <laughs> and I would go, you know, I was hanging out with my brothers. And down the street was like a magic shop. And I, I started, I got like a magic kit when I was about nine years old. And I started doing it. And I started like, you know, and it was it was a good little magic kit. It was kind of cool, well made. And I started messing around with the tricks. And then I had a job delivering circulars. You know, I've had jobs my whole life. I was a kid. I I, I, I could never remember a time when I didn't have a, like a freaking day job. I had six brothers. My mom was charging me rent when I was like 15, 16. <laughs> I'd give her 40 bucks a month. I don't mind it because, you know, I was helping out. But, you know, my mom's doing, you know, your laundry and your work. And who cares? But I would work so I could buy money. And she would drop them off at the music lessons. We had an hour to kill. We'd go down to the magic shop. And I would get one trick, and I would buy one joke book. That was my thing. These old Robert <laughs> Orban joke books, you know. And I would come home, and I would, like, you know, work on the magic trick, and I would read the joke books. I started circle jokes. Oh, that's funny. I had a little joke file. And then uh, when I was 18, man, I kind of just, like, hung up the wand. I retired the rabbit. I let the doves go. You know, I said, I just want to find a room and be funny, you know. And I, and I, I like, shift on my coat. Yeah, yeah. I was, I got, got rid I, of the rabbit. I released the doves out of my sleeve. I said, "This is it." Got rid uh, of my assistant. Yeah, I got rid of my. I let my assistant go. I fired my assistant. But yeah, I was doing. Got rid of you know, the but, but, yeah, but when I was like, when I was fifteen, I was doing like five, six gigs a month. I was doing like, you know, you're doing like, you know, you do like the they had the Boy Scout Jamboree. You do a stage show. You're doing kids' <laughs> birthday parties. I was thinking senoras. Yeah, I was doing. A, you know, I was. Yeah, exactly. I was doing a bunch of different shows. I would do private magic shows for adult parties and stuff. And it, and it was awesome. It was uh, uh, I was gigging, you know, when you were like when you're 15 and you got like five or six gigs a month and you're making like 150 bucks for the thing. And my uh, old man, my old man wasn't like my old man wasn't like a stage dad. You know what I mean? My old man was a detective. He was a cop, right? Yeah, he was a cop, a hardcore old school detective, like you know, Lieutenant Flat Columbo, court. like Lieutenant Columbo. I mean, I'm not kidding you. We he drive me to the gigs in his beat up pickup truck. I'm sitting there in my oversized tuxedo. I had my doves and. His, <laughs> Because it was like, like a, a, a hand-me-down freaking thing. I mismatched it. I got my dugs in the shoebox with the holes punched to the top. <laughs> 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 
And it's like, you know, it's pigeon shit all over the place, don't you? And it's like, we're and my old man's going, my old man's going, you practice, right? You practice. It's like, you know, there's this thing where he coughing. All right, you're not going to give him short shrift, are you? What's what's short shrift? Yeah, it's where you're giving him less than 100%. So, and and I would, you know, and I was with this like, this group where we do that we would do like these. Uh, uh, you know, I would do a lot of shows. I mean, for like you know, old age homes and and children's hospital and stuff. It's the only way you're good. And and, be, and I would do these shows at children's hospital. And then a lot of these nurses, these uh, black nurses, would hire me to do their churches in West Philadelphia. Some of the worst neighborhoods, but they're like good church going folks. So you drive in there, and my old man's got his nine millimeter on his hip. You know, just making sure just in case anybody tries to <laughs> rob the magician. Abracadabra! Now you see it. Now you don't. <laughs> No funny tricks. No funny. Don't try. <laughs> but, but, you know, but it, but it was. Uh, I mean, you know, that's how I kind of like, you know, like started in, in show business, and I did like high school talent competitions, and finally I was just like, you know, man, enough with these pictures. Enough, enough with standing in front of my my mom and dad is a giant like mirror in their house. I used to stand in front of them and practice for hours. I was like, you know, enough of this. I'm just writing some damn jokes. I'm gonna make people laugh and that's really you know kind of how i get started I, I really it's all i pretty much done my whole adult life was was, was do, do it i just it took me a long time to get good at good at it though you know i mean it, you know it's it took me about nine years to get really funny you know working on it and stuff but yeah did it for a couple of years in philly and then uh when i came to la wound up uh, you know working the doorman and, and doing that came up through that system wound up touring with sam kinison toured with him for five years he died in 92 he's almost been dead 23 years now that's how long ago that is i mean Damn. that's I mean, yeah. you know, God rest his soul. Uh, but, uh, that was really kind of my intro into like, you know, and I was just, and you, and you just, uh, the great thing about working with him was he really kind of set the bar pretty high for stand up. You know, you gotta, you gotta have your own voice. You gotta have your own thing. And, and you go work on that. You know, some, and yet, look, I, look, I, if you're able to make your living doing this for like 25 years, I think you're already success. Yeah. I mean, knowing how tough this business is and everything, and it is, it's, it's a really tough business. I mean, you know, some people get lucky, get the break. Some guys fall off the bus when they arrived to LA and they went up with a sitcom. Other people work for 25 years, they get their break. You know, it's, 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 it's just your path is your path. So you do it because you love to do it. I mean, some people go, I want to do it. A lot of people I know do it because they're going to become, they think they're going to become famous. I go, boy, you got another thing coming. I mean, you know, you know, you have a better chance to become a you know, famous magician. You do <laughs> get the doves. <laughs> you know, get your doves out. Go 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 to the magic shop and work on an act. You know, but it's uh, you know, but uh, you know, it's it's you know, you've done it. You know, like the you know when you, when it's going good, it's going good. And when it, when it's bad, it's bad. I mean, the summer before I did. Uh, last comic standing, I had a, you know, it was just a, I had a rough summer, you know, summertime's rough around here, you know, nobody wants to sit inside of the comedy club, and I, that's what kind of really prompted me to do that, and to kind of, kind of get back into it, and, 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 and do last comic standing, and David Tell called, and I got on David Tell's comedy on the ground, and kind of had a little bit of a resurgence, and I'm just trying to, you know, and I took that whole month to work on a new hour, and kind of, we're getting ready to tape it, eventually we'll have a, you know, an hour on Netflix and stuff, you know. All you gotta do is ask me one question. <laughs> So um, talking, I asked the guy two questions on my hour long podcast. You've done, um, you've done um, hell yeah, no. you've done um, all, all, all the all the hell gigs probably right. All the all the tour like the trip. I, go, trip, I did all runs. The, I did all the hell gigs twice. <laughs> I did all the hell gigs twice or three times. I remember sleeping in my car. I, I, I had literally driven, like, I, I couldn't, I mean, you know, you sla you're slapping yourself in the face, you, you know, you, you're down the window, I just, I remember, I pulled into this rest area, it was about 54, 
miles from Missoula, Montana, which is where I was headed. It was snowing. I remember said I pulled in. I had this like you know this car, and I remember snowing. And I cracked my window, but thank God my heater was working in my car. And I looked out, and it looked like there was this old train coming by, and the snow was falling. And it reminded me like you never you ever set those trains up underneath your Christmas tree. It reminded me of that thing. That was the last thing I remember before I dozed off and I woke up and I kind of drove in. But and then I did Seiko, Montana, which was sixty miles from Helena. It's like sixty miles from the Canadian border. Uh, like you know there was I could smell like there was a herd of cattle. I mean you could smell them from your room. It was horrible, horrible gig. I, I had more books at home on my bookshelf than they had in the town library you know, the water, the water, the water stein, and, you know i think robbie knievel was coming in there to jump the barn i mean you know that was the, that was the big event for the year i mean i've done you know i mean just like, like the most amazing you, you know you've done all these gigs i mean if they speak english i've worked there you know and sometimes if they didn't speak english i worked there you know it's it's uh yeah i did them all i did the, i did the creative runs all through the southeast and the triple runs all through the northwest you know you, you i've done you know the gigs yeah i, I pretty much so you- so you've been to um, all over Washington, Richland. Yeah, Washington, Oregon. Kelso, Washington, over there through through. Yeah, exactly. I've done what that. What that club we did in Richland? Um, fuck. Jokers. 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 Yeah. Connected next to a, connect, that 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 um, comedy club has a like a Chuck E. Cheese event with bowling and pizza place. Yeah, yeah. Then they connected to a little little poker house. Then you go to the poker house. Is that where the comedy club is? Yeah, they I, they had uh, they have a gig like that in Peoria. There's a uh, there's the a racetrack. Yeah, the jukebox is a racetrack, and these guys are flying around the track. You see the dust shooting up. There's a racetrack. There's a comedy club. I think there's a strip, strip club, club over here. Yeah, yeah. and I'm going. This is like a this is like a this is what they do on the weekends here. They go race and watch comedy, and you know, go to a strip club. I mean, there's a lot of uh, yeah. I've done a lot of the, a lot of those gigs. I, I just now it's like you know instead of working so hard, I try to work a, a little smarter. And you just pick the markets that you go, I can build a following in this market. I could do, uh, you know, you get 26 markets that you could do twice a year, every eight months. And you work on develop a following in those markets so you don't got to do, you know, Bubba's belt buckle in Philadelphia, Mississippi. <laughs> you know, try to, try to. So you were an original outlaws of comedy. Yeah, I was. I was, it was, uh, it was me as a kid guy named Mitch Walters. I mean, these guys, and these guys were all much older than I was. I mean, I was like a little, like, hey guys, wait How were you there, 25? Yeah, yeah, 25, 26, and you know, Carl LeBeau. That, that blew your mind to be like, to go on the road uh, big. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, and I was doing some other stuff. You know, I, sometimes, you, sometimes you had to make sure the bags got to the rooms. Hey, make sure, you know, you had to do some stuff. But, you know, I, 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 granted, I, these guys had all been doing. It. I was just a kind of, you know, I was happy to be there. Let's put it that way. And I didn't mind doing any of that stuff. And I was, and I used to go, you know, we pulling in the bus. We'd have to make sure everybody got their bags to the rooms. And then, uh, you know, Sam would go, Hey, I'm going to do radio. And everybody would go, Yeah, go do radio. And I go, I'll go do radio with you. And I, I used to travel. They'd send us a limo. We'd go do radio. And I watched Sam do radio. I would watch, learn how to, I learned how to do radio watching him do it. You know, some people, oh, I don't want to do radio. I go, I don't care, man. Promote yourself. Promote your website. It's people always go, oh, I want to do radio. I go, no, you got to do radio, man. It's part of the gig. You know, get up. Some people hate it. I, I don't. I actually go. I because if I can, for guys like me, because I, I'm not. You're not, you're not Bill Burr. Or you're not, you know, you're not at that level. You got to, and if you can do good radio, you can sell tickets. Yeah. You know, and so that's what I, you know, that's what I learned. I mean, even Kinnison would do radio. If he was sold out, he didn't do radio. No need to do radio. But if he wasn't, he was short. He got to go do radio to sell the tickets and he would do it. And he would go and just take it over and just, uh, and do great radio. And if you do that, it, you know, I could see it affects my show. <coughs> if you get up in the morning, you go and do like five, six radio stations and just knock it out of the park, you'll sell tickets. 
you know, and, and so, yeah, but I, that's, uh, that's where I learned how to do it. I, I learned a lot of, of, of how to do things. And I also learned what not to do. Like if I'm faced <laughs> with a very crucial show business decision now, I go, what would Sam Kinison do? And then I do the opposite <laughs> because, uh, you know, because, you know, uh, he was, he was a, you know, he was a legendary dude, man. And, and, and you know, uh, there were times where, you know, it was great working with him, and there was other times where it was uh, you just, you know, you just, you just prayed to God. You go, man, I hope I get through all this. You know, there was a <laughs> lot of, you know, because they were mixing a truckload of, of business, a truckload of personalities, and a truckload of, you know, booze and 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 you know and extracurricular activities. You know, <laughs> little, remember what little time? Bolivian marching powder. You know, what I mean? <laughs> we were hanging out. What time? Um, we came up to you. Um, I was there with a girl and um, with some other guy named Tony Sanchez and Gabriel Iglesias. And we stopped you at the at the comedy store. You were on your way out. Yeah. And you talked to us about comedy for about an hour and a half. Really? I thought that was really nice. Yeah, man. Because I you give a lot of advice. No, but we yeah because I always like you know I mean God man got a ton of guys helped me out and and gave me advice and I and I think as an artist you know as a stand up artist and you want to be a, a good ambassador to stand up comedy and you want to help uh, a lot of young dudes and I, I love doing that I mean if I because I was always a student of of the craft and a student of the game and and people you know Paul Mooney and and, and you know uh, Gary Shandling and and sometimes uh, Louis Anderson and dice and you talk to these guys and they would, they would impart some wisdom on you you go oh, oh that makes a lot of sense and I'd say you know and Freddie Asparagus I don't know if you know Freddie Asparagus you remember Freddie Asparagus you know you remember yeah, yeah. I remember him um, Willie Barcena told me about it. he was a chubby guy with long hair he yeah but he was colors. also he also was a brilliant improvisation guy he also was a good I'm gonna do something I don't do something yeah he yeah, made another guy right Quentin yeah Quentin yeah yeah, yeah I just I just want to introduce me to a Latino night yeah yeah, Quentin. Quentin Quint. was a Quentin. Yeah, was a repo man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, fr- I'm buddies with him on Facebook. He was a good, solid dude. But I'm gonna do the same thing, you know. But that, but he would do these. He's a good actor, huh? Yeah, a great actor. Great actor. Been in a ton of movies. But he told me uh, he gave me a piece of advice. It took me like two or three years to figure out. He said, you know, stand up comedy is one of those art forms that you have to disrespect before you can respect it. I was like, what does that mean? And I didn't want to sound like an idiot, but I, I think what he was trying to say, or at least I, you know, what I got out of it was that, you know, the minute you stop trying to figure out what makes the audience laugh, and you go up there and you have a good time, and you don't care about, it, you know, you when you when you once to once you allow yourself and give yourself permission to suck, you will also give yourself permission to be great, and you know, and and, and allow, allow yourself to really find who you authentically are on stage, and I think that's, uh, you know, so I so I always loved. That's funny that you remember that, and I do remember that night hanging with you guys because I always loved hanging out with guys and, and talking about. Because I, when we go up Crest Hill, I mean that was the thing. Like Crest Hill was the house behind the comedy store. It was like the it was the frat house, you know. And guys, Sam would come up there, and these guys would come up, and we would talk about comedy for hours and figure it out and try to figure it out. It was like a big, you know, trying to take it apart and put it back together again you know and so so yeah i always i always i always feel that way you know i mean you know more so now you know you concentrate on you know i mean the guys that you, you more so now i try to help myself you know you try to go okay but you know if somebody's a friend and calls for advice you always go yeah well i would do it this way or this is the way i would do it but yeah you try to you know help out yeah, man. I remember that. That's, that's right. We sat there and talked comedy because I, yeah. I would. I, I would love talking about it. I'd try to figure it out and try to figure out, you know, what you're wearing on stage and how I'm going to try to say what I'm trying to say before. Because it's all, you know, people don't realize, you know, people just go, oh, you just go up there and say funny shit. No, no. You, you're good. I mean, you know, so like, yeah, like you two people are walking down the street and they're, they're, like, they're walking this way. 
And, you know, they're just walking. They don't even say a word. There's so much nonverbal communication that happens between these two people until they actually get to, you know, oh, what's this guy doing? Or making, you know, people are having all these conversations inside their head as they're passing this person. And they pass each other, and they don't say a word. But they've already made so much, had this so much nonverbal communication. Well, that's what happens when you go from the side of the stage to the microphone. I mean, half those people have already made up their mind about you. So the way you walk to the microphone, yeah. the way you, what you wear, <clears throat> grab the, phone. The, the way you grab it. I mean, all that says so much about you. Before you even said anything. And then your jokes, your opening jokes gotta set up you for the rest of your show. I mean it's 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 a layered kind of thing. There's so many variables thrown into that equation. I mean, if you want to do it at a high level, I mean, I, I for me, it's I just it, it was always there was always work to do. It's like your golf game. There's always work to do, man. You're never gonna get you're never gonna do it as good as you want. I mean, you'll have moments where you go, man, that was amazing, you know, where you're on the mound and you just stripe it down the middle and nobody get anything you're throwing, you know, uh, you know that. It's kind of like you know, but 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 yeah, it's but it's always there's always work to do. So you're a good friend with Freddie Soto. Yeah, I knew Freddie. He used to call me Two Shoes. I love Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> I goes, Jimmy, Two Shoes, Two Shoes, I, and I loved him, man, because Freddie was one of those guys you walk in and he would give you a big bear hug, and I I loved hanging out with him and and his wife Corey. I knew, and you you know, and I just man that. That broke my heart. I, I love that guy. He was really just a, just a, 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 just, I just always had a smile on his face. Always. You know? always just a great, fun guy to hang out with, man. And, you know, there was, you know, you, you get to meet folks here, man, sometimes. Like, you know, I, and I used to, you know, when I was in Florida, because I moved to Florida after Sam died, I wanted to get away from it all. And I met Mitch, and Mitch started at this club. And, you know, I was, Mitch was really kind of a shy, like, delicate Mitch guy. Hedberg? Yeah, yeah. And you go, you know, I've run into Mitch, but I was, I was always good to Mitch. Like you said, you know, you always help, help guys out. And I just felt, you know, as Mitch was like, it was just, he was just a frail guy. Like, it, you know, sometimes when you, like, you, you know, like, you get so big and everybody wants a piece and you're supposed to do this and you're going to do this and you just, and I just want to make people laugh. And it kind of, you get a little distracted a little bit sometimes. And I think, uh, I think it, you know, I mean, God rest his soul. I don't, I don't, you know, but I mean, another guy died too soon, you know, he, and Sam, I mean, I lost Sam too. Uh, I mean, he was a lunatic, but he was starting to get his, his act together and he was starting to clean up and he was getting married. And he was getting ready to have a baby. I mean, in the car accident, his wife lost the baby, but you, you, you know, it's like, you, you know, it's a. I mean, look. You, I was getting ready to, uh, you know, Chris Farley thing. John John Belushi. I don't know what the what the deal is with comedians, but you know, these guys are always Robin Williams. I mean, I was just yesterday was the year anniversary of his death. I don't know what the deal is with comedians. You know, do you know him personally? Yeah, I mean. Dude, I got a great picture. I got a great picture. It's me, Robin Williams, and Sam Kinison on stage, and we're, they were doing. Send some, it to him. Put it on a podcast. Oh, dude, I'll, I'll give it. I'll show it to you right afterwards. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's amazing. But this is one of my favorite pictures. But I, I used to work the door with Noodles Levenstein and Robin. What shirts did you wear? White, white, white comedy store or black comedy store? Shirt? No, no, dude, I had a tuxedo on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> a tuxedo on, bro. I had a tuxedo. <laughs> I had a magic cape. No, dude, I, 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 I had a leftover for my magic days. No, but uh, no, we had to we had, no because on dude. On a Saturday night in that comedy club, in, in, I'm talking about the height of the comedy explosion in Los Angeles. 89? Yeah, they were, doing, they were doing three shows a night in there. Wow. Three shows a night and selling out all 500 seats. And me and Noodles were broke doormen. We had $5 between us. And I would wait to the and he would come in and hand me the $5. And I would go, like, he goes, hey, that's from the last table you sat. And he'd throw it in my hand right in front of the people getting ready to seat. And I would go sit those. And I'd walk back in and I'd go, here's from the table you just sat. And we passed that $5 back and forth. And the other night, we put our money. We, we made tip money. We made some, I mean, guys would give you a $100 tip to get a booth. I mean, that's how we, that's how we ate, man. I mean, that was like, you know, on a, on a weekend, you can make some money. 
definitely sit, sit, sit in that room and, and, uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was like my college, man. The comedy store was like my college for sure. You know, that's funny. The little hustle, throw a little hustle, huh? Sit me by the table, man. Don't sit me next to my lady over there. <laughs> yeah, you no, know, guys would, guys would, uh, you, you know, you throw that five dollars and just let the people know they had the tip. And at the end of the night, you throw your tip money in. You're like, we're splitting a hundred. We got a hundred fifty dollars a piece. Hell yeah! Were you at the comedy store there on that Monday night when some when there was the shooting? Wasn't there for that. Wasn't sure. there. Wasn't there for that. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, uh, so funny Monday night. Uh, got crazy, huh? It got crazy, dude. I remember a guy, I drove Sam Kinison off stage on a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that was, that, that was like, I mean, that's why, uh, you know, and he, I didn't realize he was scared of death of motorcycles, but it was like late night. It was like, you know, it was a Monday night. It was like 145. Dead little Thai bartenders running around going, he got off now. He got off now. I'm going, he's doing comedy, man. And I'm sitting backstage on my motorcycle. And, uh, the guy said, you gonna, you gonna ride that out there? I go, no. He goes, well, it's never been done before. And I go, all right, that settles that. And I went out there, and he jumped on the back, and we raced, raced down that little back hallway out at the Sunset Boulevard, but you turn on La Sienica, and he had a death grip on me. I could barely like breathe. And he goes, and he gets up, and he went, Susan made it turn. He goes, you're a crazy motherfucker. And because I don't think I think he just thought I was going to drive more stage. <laughs> Give him a ride, but uh, that kind of cemented it. And then I dropped him off. I didn't see him for two weeks. And I walked in the comedy store and heard Jimmy Schubert, you crazy motherfucker, get over here. And it was Kinnison. And he was with Lorraine Newman and Randy Quaid. And he comes up. He goes, come here. And he puts his arm around me. And I didn't realize how cool it was until he thought how cool it was. And then he <laughs> told the story to Lorraine Newman and Randy Quaid. And it was like, man, this is freaking awesome. And then, uh, and it was just, you know, but yeah, moments like that, like st stories like that. And just, you know, watching guys like, you know, watching Richard Pryor come in and build like, you know, he would come in and he had really done stand-up in a while I just would start and could talk to the audience for like five to seven minutes you know and then like three months later the guy's building it into you see him building it into a new set and it's just it was amazing to watch his process you know you'd watch robin williams would come in robin williams and sam kinison would improvise all, all the time you watch that you got to watch you know well playing the main room you know arsenio hall i mean all these guys jim carrey I, you know got to be friendly with these guys who come around you know um Shoot, uh, you know, I just saw Damon Wayans at, at the Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank, and I was on stage, and he popped in to do a guest set, and came up to me, gave me a big hug, he got to watch my set, he got, you know, so you you form friendship with these guys, and, and and all these guys watching guys like Damon Wayans, I mean, who's better than that guy? I mean, that guy, I don't think uh, since since Richard Pryor has that. Does anybody have a sense of honesty on stage like that cat? You know, I mean, uh, yeah, he was I, the first guy I saw when I when I when I, when I got the balls to finally sit. Stop saying I want to be a comedian and go up on stage. Who? He went, um, Damon Wayans. Yeah. His sister had just finished going up on stage. Kim, Kim. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, he followed her, and then he went up, and everybody stood up clapping. And then he put down his jacket, <clears throat> and then he goes, man, 10 years ago, just a regular black guy taking off his jacket. <laughs> yeah. And then um, <laughs> he went up there, and he was talking about his son getting caught um, masturbating. Yeah. Damon Wayne Jr. Yeah, yeah. And he talked about his wife catching him cheating, and then it got quiet, quiet, and there were no more laughs. Then it got more serious and serious. Then there was a little bit of laughs. Then it got really like awkward, yeah, man. And yeah, I, I never seen a comedian do that. I always thought it was, I always thought it was laughs. Yeah, I never see a, a breakdown and get the audience back. Yeah, and I said if it's, if comedy is like that, I could do it. Yeah, well, he, you know, and everybody has that guy. You know, I think for Joe Rogan, he said it was Sam Kinison was the guy he saw that said, "Hey, oh, if comedy's like that, I can do that." You know, I, I talk, but it's it's funny. 
he would go up and has, I call them jazz sets. He would have these jazz sets like that in the original room and he would have a glass of orange juice and the people would get like weird and he would go, look, when I'm done my orange juice, I'm going to get the hell out of here. And he would sit and he just had a little bit of orange juice and he was really kind of savoring that last little bit of orange juice. And I would run to the back bar, get a brand new glass of orange juice and walk up and go, oh, by the way, man, here's another glass of orange juice. Oh, look at that. I got a whole new glass of orange juice. Get to torture the audience a little more. But I mean, I loved, for me, man, that was like as close as like that camaraderie and, and you know, watching guys do it. Because I got to tell you, man, it really is, it's really one of the toughest art forms to do yeah. because you're by yourself and you, you know, and anybody who's done it for a long time knows. I mean, if you, you know, you've been doing it for 20 years, you got mad respect for anybody who's been able to do it and, and make their living and pay their bills doing it. It's a, it's a tough way to make a living for sure. Hell yeah. They were at the comedy store. I was doing, I was into it like six, seven minutes. You know, and then the red, the star went on the the blue light, and um, I wasn't having a good set, but I was like, I was just doing like whatever, right? I was having a good set, and then they said, um, "Bring up Damian Wayans." Somebody yelled, "All right, all right, people, the next guy, man, he's gonna really make you guys laugh. He's real funny, Damian Wayans." And he and he stopped me by my shoulder. He goes, "Man, fuck this crowd. You're fucking funny." Oh uh, yeah. And I was like, "Oh man, I felt good after that." Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, it's funny. I was like, oh, okay. Are you still, you still with a boy, um, Jay Schachter? You still, you still represented by Jay Schachter? No, man, he left to Abrams. I know. And didn't even call I us. Yeah. <laughs> you know what Jay Schachter did? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let me tell you something. I, I love Jay Schachter. I mean, that dude was like, he's one of those agents. Like, you got an agent like Jay Schachter. Jay Schachter's one of those guys. Oh. I go, when he was handling me, man, he was sending me out for the right stuff and boom. So. Yeah, uh, we got right here our Kings of the Queens, Entourage. Yeah, yeah, I mean, dude, Jay. I mean, that's the thing. You know, you go, you do stand-up. I'm lucky enough that I've done, like, I've done 15 episodes of King Queens. I've done four episodes of Entourage, did two episodes of ER, I did some Reno 911. I mean, I've had a career. Doing Italian job. Italian job. I had, you know, one hour, one hour photo with Robin Williams. You know, I got to work with, you know, these legendary guys. I did a, I had a scene. All because of Jay Schachter. Yeah. Well, Jay, well, Jay, <laughs> well, well, Jay Schachter was one of those guys, but, you know, shoot, I've had, I've had, I've had, I've had managers. I've been lucky that, like, you know, I wish I had this guy named Jeff Gitlin. This guy picked me, I was flying in from again, picked me up at an airport. He goes, I'm picking you up at the airport. I'm driving you to the audition. Drove me right to the audition. And it was, um, it was Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And it was, it wasn't, no, it was for one hour photo. It was for one hour photo. And I wound up getting a gig. I'm like, where in a, where, where I would kill. I mean, he got out of the business, but I would kill to have that manager, like a manager like that. That guy was like, great. I got a good manager now though, but I'm just saying like that kind of stuff, you know, agents like Jay Schachter who believe in you, who send you, who know exactly what you are and send you out for jobs that are in your wheelhouse. I mean, I got nothing but man respect for a guy like Jay. I've had a couple. Couple agents. I mean, they're not. It's very. They're very few and far between. I think the goal is is you, you got to put together that team. Okay, this agent gets it. The manager gets it. I got a PA agent that gets it. We're all on the same page. All big happy family. Awesome. Let's all move forward. Now you can do. Sh now you can do shit in this business. You know, rather than <laughs> Jay Schachter kept. If everybody listening, man, he was, he's our, he had uh, he had like a lot of clients. Uh, you know what? He never dropped us. He never dropped me. No, no, but he... <clears throat> he had he, Jay London, me. 
Yeah, he, he, it looked like a cast. Medina. Yeah, it was like a it was like a cast of Batman's villains. It was a real artist. It was like it was like a cast. It was like a cast of Batman's villains. Jay Shaq, the representative. <laughs> he's over there at Abrams now. Hope he's having a good time. We were the real. Uh, we were the real. Come on, art. Jay. Come on, Jay. We were oh, the real art fans. We were chopped liver over here. Abrams, sorry, it's not like you're over at CAA. How about that? You see that? Like the CAA, they had like they had like eleven people leave CAA and go over over to UTA. That's like seven agents left. They went from CAA over to UTA. The next day, three more agents left over to UTA. And then the head of the department leaves over to UTA with Melissa McCarthy. Going, well, I ain't seen nothing like this in show business. This is like a coup. This is like a coup. <laughs> that really happened? Coup. Yeah, it really has. Not too long ago either. Now, now, yeah, it's a, it was a big deal. Mad wow. Yeah. And then and then freaking my personal appearance agent, I'm playing golf with him, going, hey, man. I says, boy, I got, they must have a real opening over there at CAA. Next thing you know, he leaves to go over to CAA. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody call my agent. Tell him to go over there. Yes. <laughs> Somebody call Tim. Hey, no, no, you don't want to be at CAA. You get lost in the shuffle over there. Yeah. You know they handle a lot of those e celebrities, internet celebrities. Well, the guy's got six million Vine followers. I, I what is, how does that translate? Two hey, shows. Yeah. How does that translate? What are you? Are you gonna do that? What is this guy gonna show Vine videos at a comedy? You know. <laughs> I mean, you're going to compete against, hey, yeah, she's got a million people following her on Twitter. It's a big deal. Can you do 45 minutes at a comedy club? Can you leave an audience, you know, ex- exhausted from laughing for an hour of comedy? I mean, I, I you know, I, you know what the thing is? It's funny because I'm glad you brought this up. No, was <laughs> I can, like, you compete, like, this is an art form that I've been like, you know, how much I love to do it and how much it means to me. And then you gotta go compete with a guy who, uh, you know, lights his balls on fire. <laughs> really? I mean, the guy's a guy works, guy plays for the LA Lakers and he's doing, and he's hosting shows down the improv. Met a world pinnacle. And the eight Lakers, they called me in to do free throws. I mean, I'm just doing it, you know. I mean, it's Free like, throw Jimmy. Yeah. But I'm saying, you know, how about a little, uh, you know, uh, you know, because it's it's kind of insulting. It's like getting slapped in the face. I go, look, if I take like three or four weeks off from doing stand up, I can tell I'm a little rusty. My timing's just a little <laughs> bit off. This guy's never done it, and he's hosting shows. You know, I'm going, you're taking com- you're taking work out of a, like a comic's pocket. It's like somebody's pocket. I know, man. You're like, wait, wait a minute, this guy's at the young comedian show in in in, in um in Toronto, Montreal. Yeah, and they send these guys over there. They got big agents, man. They have got. I know that one guy had a million followers. And now he wants to dabble in stand-up comedy. You don't dabble in it, man. No, dabble. you live it, breathe it, eat it, and sleep it. You bleed it. It's, it's you know. So it breaks your heart. Well, it's like, you know, it makes you sound like, you know, hey, I'm soggy, the dunk tank clown. <laughs> you know, no, no, I'm not. It's, you know, I'm a professional artist here. And, and you know, and when I watch guys do it at a high level, you know, Tell and Stan Hope and Burr, and, you know, yourself, myself, including that group, and guys have been doing it for a long time, and, you know, Tripoli and all those Joey guys. Coco. Uh, Joey Coco. Joey Coco. That's right, cocksucker. That's right, cocksucker. No, but, I mean, you know, those guys have all been doing it. I mean, I love watching dudes that do it at, at a high level like that, and, and you know, I'm a fan of it as as, as much as I, I love to do it. I'm, I'm a fan of it, you know. Who did you love growing up? Uh, dude, man, I love uh, – it's so funny. My parents had these Jimmy Durante albums I used to listen to <laughs> when I was a kid. And then Carlin and Pryor, I said Bob Newhart, like they, they had the, the, you know, some albums that, you know, but, uh, yeah, it was really Carlin and, and Pryor at the time. And then when you got into stand up, you discovered I went back and listened to some Lenny Bruce stuff. But, you know, I, I like Gleason. And, and when I was a kid, man, I loved Charlie Chaplin. 
I mean, I love that he was able to do it in silent movies that he could make people laugh and not say a word. I thought was I thought was brilliant, and I always loved Charlie Chaplin. To me, it was like I used to I used to run home and watch Charlie Chaplin. And uh, uh, I remember when I was like seven or eight, I remember crying on my way back from church because my mom wouldn't let, let me dye my hair black and grow a little toothbrush mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be, I want to be, I want to be John Hitler. I want to be, yeah, talk about a guy who ruined a toothbrush mustache for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and Donald Trump ruined bad haircut for everybody. <laughs> oh man, look. Look, you can say I love that he's in there because he's he's he don't. I mean, the truth and the truth. I mean, damn and, man, he he did it down on that. On that and you can And you know what the thing is, if if you go and actually do the research, the guy, look, guys, the guy's a, a guy's a master ten billion dollar for. He's not a dumb guy, and he don't need to do this. I mean, dude, the guy's got ten billion in his bank account. Like he lives private jets, private choppers. He he got a bad, he got a badass comb over. I don't see. <laughs> This guy don't need any of his aggravation. I just think the guy is legitimate in his in his want to make the country great again. I mean, shaking up the game and and keeping it real. At least you know because all these other guys are for sale. They're all for sale, bought and sold. I mean, that's why democracy is tough because before the time you get done sifting through the carefully crafted communications, the thirty second ads and the secret handshakes and the money's exchanged and back rooms, and you realize that nobody of any substance is going to make it through the mire because they've already wrapped their lips around the that the cock of corporate, uh, you know, greed, and they got they got to answer to all these people. Trump, on the other hand, is not for sale. You can't buy him. So just that he's in the race and keeping it real. And I don't know whether he really wants to be president or what, he, what, what the game he's playing here. Uh, I, I don't know what his motives are, but I, I, I mean, you know, I, I mean, look, I mean, say what you want about, I mean, you look at all these, these candidates. I mean, there's 16, 17 choices on the, on the one side and you got, Two choices on the other <laughs> side, and, and one of them's a fucking arch criminal. I mean, Hillary Clinton's a fucking arch criminal. I mean, I'm sorry, you know they're <laughs> they're seizing her fucking server as we speak. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't. FBI took the thun bribe. Yeah, right? but I look. I just and I'm not a really a Republican or a Democrat. I'm I'm really kind of a libertarian, and I look. I'm socially liberal on some issues. I don't care about gay marriage or any of that stuff. I don't care. All that stuff is bullshit. Let people do what they want to do. God doesn't make junk. If you're gay, you were born that way, and you. You're a person, and you should be able to do everything everybody else is able to do, and 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 be kind of inclusive. And look, we're all trying to get through this. You know what I mean? We're all trapped in this giant human ecosphere. We should all just get along. But you got, you know, Black Lives Matter. Nothing else does, but they do. And uh, you know, I, I get it. Hey, listen, I get pulled over a lot. You know, I comply. I put my hands on the wheel. I go, yes, sir. No, sir. Yeah, you want to stick your finger in my ass and check for fucking paraphernalia? Help yourself. All right. I'm not. I, you know, I get it. I, but you know, can't, I, mean, I got a bag to hide. <laughs> yeah, hey, if you want to find it up in my fucking raisin hole, you're gonna earn it. You know. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but I'm just saying. I mean, you know, the thing is, is like, you know, we, 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 can't we all just like? I mean, we're supposed to be an evolved species. It seems like we're getting dumber. It seems like we're getting dumber. It seems like people are, you know, like, like you, you know, we're just supposed to be. You know, can't we just? 
Get along. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. It's just to me, it's it's amazing that, that you know we're we're becoming more sensitive, and it seems like we're becoming dumber. It's because everybody's got their 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 their, their cell phones, which is this portal into this vacuous. You're just sucked into this thing. You're not even paying attention. You, you, I just I just think the thing that made the human race great was our ability to make eye contact and discuss ideas and concepts in an intelligent way. You can't even have a you can't even have a decent conversation about race relations in this country. You know, or, or any. People get like you say. I mean, if you don't believe me, go paste, go post something political on Facebook and and watch the fun begin. Because like people monitor if I go get 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 outside, get off the goddamn computer, go out and live your life, go out and you know you want to change the world, go out and change the world, go make a sandwich for a guy standing on the corner and say, hey, I need I need food. Go make change it, do little things. You know, I mean, change your world. You know, you sit there and you, you know the people are on their laptop, they they're in the same clothes on Sunday, they left work on Friday night, they got a their fingers are orange from eating Doritos. They got three empty cans of Red Bull. They're living in their parents' basement rent-free, surfing their neighbor's wireless internet, trolling <laughs> your fucking Twitter account, starting shit. I'm going, who the fuck are you to judge me, you cocksucker? You cocksucker, Joey Coca. But I mean, yeah, I mean, what the fuck. I mean, you you know, you, you go. I, I mean, I, I I don't know. It just seems to me. I mean, you know, you got to look look at a guy like John Stewart, who's on a comedy network. He retired, but I mean, John Stewart was t- talking more truth and giving you more news than you can get on an actual goddamn evening news program. I mean, you know, and, 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 and so I, I just... I mean, it's it's gotten topsy turvy, you know, you know, you know, comedians, you know, the, you know, it's it's when do you when when in the, in the world does that happen, you know? I mean, you make com- a lot of sense. comedians are talking more truth than 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 the corporate media outlets like NBC News or ABC News, and they all got an agenda. Fox News has an agenda. Yeah. ABC has an agenda. CBS has an agenda. Hey, could you just give me the fucking news and let me go <laughs> research it and make up my own goddamn mind about it, or do you got to twist it and word it? And you know, and and you know, it's it's crazy. What do you think, Rodrigo? It's fucking dropping knowledge over here, dog. He's fucking right. And as far as, like, fucking Donald Trump, that motherfucker's just ruffling feathers. He's not going to be the fucking uh, president. But he's making those motherfuckers uneasy in their suits. Well, don't he should make them uneasy. Because you know what? The American dream here has been under assault for the last 30 years. <laughs> And I'll tell you something right now. There's been Republicans in charge and Democrats in charge and Republicans in charge and Democrats in charge. And they've had opportunities Same to change shit. the system and make the system better for people like us. They no longer represent us. They, re- they represent corporate, corporate interests. Hey, welcome to the FedEx, United States of Bank of America. That's what the, that's what the United, they should change it because it's all corporate interests. It's big pharmacology and it's, and you, I mean, you look at all these shootings. This, we don't have a gun control problem in this country because I grew up with guns. I got a gun in my house. You kick in my door, I'm going to, I'm going to empty the clipping to you but, 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 uh, tell him Jimmy yeah, Schumer no I leave my no I left my gun there at my house and I put it on my patio and it didn't shoot anybody <laughs> I was left it there I left it there for a couple days and no one got shot but I'm saying we, you know we, people have I mean if you look at it people you get all these school shootings I mean these kids are all on this you know they're all on Zoloft or Prozac when they're 12 and 13 because uh, they're a little you know they're just being fucking kids really but you know before their brains are fully formed people are throwing pills down their throat and, and and it's be it's psychotropic it's behavior altering medication and they turn them into zombies and that's why these people snap they're they're bipolar they're 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 schizophrenic or whatever the fucking deal is i mean let your fucking let their brains form and then let them grow up to be adults maybe they'll work through the shit you're gonna fucking put them on those goddamn medication i mean let them be fucking human beings first and figure it the fuck out but but they don't fall 
Yeah, but yep. the, the, yeah, but the, 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 yeah, let them let them fall, let them fail, fall, let them fall em, off the bike, let them fail, let them yeah, fucking let fail. fail. I mean, fucking Michael Jordan said something. He goes, "The reason I'm so good is because I failed so much. You got to fail because you got to want to get better." But I'm saying, you know, you can't. You know, but what I'm saying is that the American dream has been understood. I just think they're all full of shit. I think the Republicans are full of shit. I think the Democrats are full oh, of yeah. shit. And, and the reason I like a guy like Trump because he's not full of shit. You know, maybe he is and maybe he has his own little agenda. <laughs> I don't know. But at least he's keeping it honest. And and and, and the fact of the matter is, is that I'm just tired because if, if, if it's, I mean, we're talking about Jeb Bush and Hillary Clinton. I mean, fuck, that ain't a democracy. That's two of the same families running our fucking goddamn country for the last 30 fucking years with a break with a, a, a Obama in the fucking middle i mean come on can we can, can we get are there no other people that are qualified to run the country <laughs> besides the bushes and the fucking clintons i mean you know hillary's in big fucking shit now she's out bernie sanders at least finally but i mean I, to me that just reeks of you know it's just uh, you know these people want to put the same people in so you have the same result and everything Nepotism goes the same way it's, finest, it's always gone so for that reason i love trump because he's keeping the fucking real <laughs> He had me. He had me laughing, man. Yeah, that shit is hilarious. Well, huh? I, I, I watched. That's the first debate I actually watched completely ever. And then, night, then, right? then I saw it again. And then when he said that, uh, when he said that, um, when the guy asked him, um, but you, you have, you buy politicians, and he said, yeah, I give money to everybody in here. Yeah. Well, and when I ask for something, they get it. They, I get it. Truth. And a couple of them said, you didn't get money to me. He goes, well, we'll fix that after the debate. I'll write you a check. <laughs> no, no, Ted Cruz said that big in ass. No, no, the other guy, the other guy from Miami, Rubio, he said, you can send some money over here. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, you know, that well, that's what a guy like, but that's what a guy like Trump does. I mean, that, but that's the way politics works. I mean, that's what the thing is, is that, you know, you give these guys money, now they owe you favors. And yeah. that's why, you know, they're, the last thing they give they're damn about is guys like us out here struggling and, and busting your ass. I mean, you know, it seems like you get punished in this country for starting your own business and, and being your own guy and being your own thing. It's like, yeah, well, now you owe me this much money in tax money. And, and there's your franchise tax board. I go, what are you talking? I'm not freaking, I'm not selling shoes. I'm a freaking comedian. I make most I of my income, I make mo most of my income on the road. I go, oh, fuck, I get, I get, you every time I stick my hand in my pocket, I'm shaking hands with some mid-level government functionary who wants to take some more of my money so he can dole it out to some meth head who's living in a Motel Six with six kids from six different guys because somehow her her lack of personal responsibility is now my thing. Hey, I'm taking care of my own people over here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> Philly's finest, everybody. <laughs> everybody, man. You do, you do everybody. somebody a favor, they want something back. Like, you ever get a ride from Chewy? <laughs> Chewy from the comedy store? Hey, Chewy! <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> hey, Chewy! What's going on? Hey! That, hey, Chewy! Chewy! What's going on? Remember that? Were you there? <laughs> I've been that, there. I used to see him at the House of Blues all the remember time. Remember at the House of Blues? I don't know. That was the only time I, I only saw him two times, but that was one of the best times I ever saw him. And it was felt good. It was probably one of the best vibes ever because I saw a lot of comics there. Joe Rogan was there. Yeah. And that was the day that, um, and people used to go out Rick, and support Rick Jerry started playing the piano. Oh, yeah. On, on Chewie's birthday. Oh, no kidding, man. Yeah, I've seen him there a couple times. You know, he's, he had amazing musicians. Like he had that uh, Hammond B3, the, the guy playing the Hammond B3 yeah. behind him. That's like, hey, Chewie. Hey, Chewie. What's going on? <laughs> Hey, Chewie, hey, can I get in a bag? Chewie, <laughs> Chewie, what's going on? No, that was, uh, the, Some you know. powder. Yeah, that, that was, you know, that's. Um, when you started there at the comedy store, was that guy already there, like, performing Robert William Abadiah? Yeah, believe it or not. How yeah. did, what was his story? 
I don't know his story, bro. I don't. I, I mean, I, I. You know, I was always nice to that guy. Me too. Because like, I would give him know, a little roach. Yeah, but you, you'd be just be you just be nice to people. I, I would watch guys like Don Barris torture people like that. Yeah. And I they, go, they used to uh, push the chairs in front of him so he could yeah, not watch. And I and I would just go, you know what, man? Let's leave, leave the guy alone. It's obviously the guy's got problems. Why don't you just try to be a human being? Quit being a bully. I, I used to see guys down there like you know. Uh, you know, some female comedians are trying to get the thing, and people just torture them and make it so difficult. I go, how insecure are you? Are you going to go out of your way to bully somebody before they go on stage? I mean, it's like you know, you don't, you're not that. You're yeah, not I saw of, Don Barry or uh, some other guy that were pushing the chairs forward, so you have no walkway to go through. And he's very nervous; he don't like getting close to people. Yeah, well, I mean, look, you know, I, I, I just good jokes though. Just be, just be, uh, just be nice. To, just be kind. I mean, you know, the thing is, is you know, there's the, you see people like that, and you, you kind of heartbreaks from them. I've been incredibly blessed in my life. You know, I don't get I, I go out of my way, and you know, I mean, you know, Bobby Lee. Uh, when Bobby Lee was working at the comedy store, he was coming up from San Diego and stuff. And he, I, I saw him there one time. I stopped by the comedy store during a day for something, and I go, "Hey, he goes, man, I haven't had anything to eat three days, man." And I, I grabbed him. I took him down to Carney's. I bought him a big freaking meal. I said, "Get what you want, dude." And I get get, get something to go. I'd take it for later. I mean, I I've been that guy. You know what that's like. I mean, you know, shit, I slept on the roof of the comedy store a couple nights. I had nowhere to go. I mean, I fucking do that. Me and the coyotes, you know? Yeah, yeah, hey, dude, I'm not joking, man. It's, I slept with the stars. You, yeah. Hey, I'll tell you something. It's one of my best nights of my life. I had a good night's sleep up there. A nice little comedy, nice little sleeping bag up there. Rolled up in the morning. And, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you know, I was like, hey, good morning. You know, you know, uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, that's all good, man. Yeah, but I, I yeah, I've, he was there when I was there. You know, there's people there, you know. Uh, is, is he, I don't know, does he still there on Monday nights? He still come down? Who, Robert Lee? Yeah, Robert, no. Uh, no, I haven't Rob, seen Rob him. Rob William Abariah. I haven't seen him. Yeah. So, yeah, he used to come in. And he but did, I see Boom Shakalaka. Who, Boom Shakalaka? There's a guy that looks like Jesus over there. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it, there's a cast of crazy characters. The cast. There's a cast. You know, I don't, got, I don't Dude, I don't. The I got, parlor used to be crazy dude, comedians, man. Dude, I used to go back there in the day, back in the day. That, I mean, it would always bring out the crazies, man. It would always bring out the I mean, I would, I, I mean, I would kind of, I'm, you know, just, hey, say, be nice and just kind of do your thing and just kind of work, work around them. But I, I don't get involved with them because they're, People, it always brings. I don't know what it is about comedy. It brings out crazy people. And stand in line, get my big break in show business. And guys, guys went off his med for three days. How many people are speaking through you right now, bro? How many people are you get speaking through you? Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay on. The, I'm going to talk you down. All right. All right. Guys doing math equations. Two plus two is seven. Seven. I'm going to talk you down. Oh, go. That's just here. Here's a cup of. Here's a couple. Here's a cup of coffee. Just relax. Everything's going to be fine. Just relax. Guys got a fucking circus in his head. We're wrapping this thing up here. Did you have to audition for Mitzi's too? Yeah, I did a couple times actually. A, a couple times. How I, many times did you see you? Uh, you know, I I think uh, like I had to go back like two. I think two or three times. Yeah, like I I didn't I I didn't get past the first time. I didn't get past the second time. I, was, I had to work. I I got the job as a doorman. I kind of helped, and then you, you the and then I started doing spots and like you you get past enough to do spots in the belly room. And then I remember, uh, um, um. Uh, Arsenio brought me up in the main room. Just like, he goes, "Hey, Jimmy, come on!" I had to do a set in the main room. I did my, I did my, did my, did my show, you know. So yeah, uh, and then I kind of got, you know, everybody kind of took a leg into me. I got, and, and you know, and I, and I got passed. 
But yeah, it's, it took it took a while. It took a while to get you know, and and it should you know you shouldn't. I mean, I think be, like. I think a lot of comics nowadays they develop in other cities, like they get you know Chicago, because you you get more stage time there. I mean, yeah. it, stage time is incredibly tough to get out here in Los Angeles, and people don't realize. Like, why would you come here and stay where you're at? Get good where you're at. Become the best comedian in Chicago or or West Palm Beach or Fort Lauderdale or Tampa or Denver or Tampa. Become the best comedian or Fresno. in there. Yeah, become the best comedian in the city you live in first, and then bring all that bring all that with you to los angeles because it's it's really you know get in a couple festivals get some feedback make some friends figure i, I mean i think that's the way to do it now you know get invited to like you know there's a ton of little festivals around there. so get in those festivals and and maybe submit a tape for like somebody's late night and then you're then you're coming out with here with a little with a little bit of um you get some you get some heat on you a little bit of heat because you know you need you know you need a lot of heat i mean if you're coming out here with a million vine followers well then you'll be fine <laughs> fine in the vine but uh, yeah but it's it, you know that's what I, that's the advice i would say to people people say oh well, i think i'm ready to move i said well you're working real yet i mean go work go make a living where you're at first and then kind of transfer it over here at least you can still make a living doing it and, you know, kind of get your foot. I used to, the, I left LA after Sam died. And when I started to come back, I would come back for two weeks and then I would leave and go back and do my job. And I would kind of just kind of get my, get, start do spots again and get my foot wet and just kind of, and then I kind of like slowly, I said, I'm not coming back to LA until I get a development deal, until I get a manager and an agent and all that stuff. And I went and I crashed Montreal. I crashed the Montreal Comedy Festival and I wound up getting a pilot out of the deal, which was unheard of. And uh, I also got a manager and an agent. I've got, I got a pilot, a manager, and an agent. And I wound up getting a development deal the following year. And I said, all right, that's it. I got to go back to L.A. I was living in Florida. And at the time, Florida was so much work in Florida. I mean, there, you could just literally drive that whole, that giant flaccid penis of a state and just work <laughs> up. And there was like four. Other comedy zones. Yeah, comedy zones. I mean, they had, they, there was a, uh, there was clubs from. Rascos. From, yeah, from, from, from. From uh, all the way down south, all the way up north, Jacksonville, Orlando had four clubs. Then if you went to the west coast, St. Petersburg had like four or five rooms. I mean, I can tell. Marco Island. Ta yeah, Fort Myers. Yeah, Sanibel. Tallahassee. I mean, yeah, you can make a living doing it. And, and, and that's really kind of where, like after I'd been doing stand-up, it's really kind of where I found my voice. I took a job as a house MC at a club called Haggerty's in Boca Raton. And I would do up six nights a week down there. I would do a, I do 15 up front and, and depending on how bad or good the middle act was, I do 20 in the middle. I was, you basically were doing 45 minutes a night, you know, and, and, and that's where I really kind of found my voice. And, and, and then I went up and crashed Montreal and then all that stuff happened. I moved back to Los Angeles. What's up, fool? What's yeah. up, fool? Quiet, What's so up, fool? Chilling, man. Something. Fucking over here, fucking kicking it. Um, what, 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 what? What was Philly? Was it rough growing up there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, I, yeah. He threw cars at people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let me tell you something, bro. I, I, I used my fist. Five, I used my fist so much as a kid. I was five before I realized I had fingers. <laughs> no, I, I was. No, I was. But I'm bump. Hey, bump. you know that was. <laughs> you kidding me? My 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 grade school had a handgun vending machine. Hey, no, uh, no. I had six brothers. I was. I, I got more f fist fights in my own house before I. You'd been, it was. I, I mean, I'm not kidding. I had six brothers. My old man was a homicide detective. I mean, it was. I was. Yeah, Philly's a tough town, man. I mean, I got in fights every weekend. I mean, I had to fight my way out of Philly when I left. You had to fight. <laughs> it's a tough town. There are sections in Philadelphia, man. Well, yeah, you know, you go. Oh my God, I go back there now. Like crack vials and hypodermic needles, and there's a section of K and A. Uh, there's there's a. It is one of the busiest 
freaking drug a corner like heroin now i mean like stuff i mean there are people there like uh you know i was talking to my dad there's cops they do surveillance they work for the vice squad they said there's a mother daughter hooker team down there like they they're, they're, it's, it's, there's people walking around they are dead they are zombies they have just not fallen over yet i mean it's fucking bad in some certain areas i mean all along the east coast heroin is there's a lot of heroin in pennsylvania oh man i have Her- a friend in pennsylvania it is bad it right is now. epidemic proportions yeah, and Not in the news, but it's bad heroin well, problem. Well, you know, no one's reporting it, but yeah. it's, it is epidemic levels, and people are losing their freaking children. And we're not talking about kids in bad neighborhoods. We're talking affluent kids. That's it is for, that's the truth, bro. And, and the people are, they get they get hooked on, you know, Percocet or Vicodin. I got, I got, it was in a car accident. I got a Vicodin. You get hooked on Vicodin. Next thing you know, you're doing Oxys. And next thing you know, Oxys are 30 bucks a pill, and you're buying a 15 bag of heroin. And then, then they get clean, and then they relapse. And when you relapse, once you get clean from heroin, you can never shoot heroin again because you'll relapse you'll die and that's what happens a lot of kids get clean they relapse boom i mean there's one girl i was just reading the story the girl got got a car accident died in a car accident she still had a needle in her arm she just shot up in the car while she's driving like i mean it's bad it is bad and i just they three and my old neighbor 3.3 million dollars worth of heroin seized busted they found out there's three stash houses they got 68 people they locked up in a a heroin drug thing i mean and and the fact that you're not hearing this on on evening news it's 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 ridiculous i mean it's it's bad i mean you look look at a guy like philip seymour hoffman you would think you would go look this guy has everything you this guy has everything he, what, what, what would he worry about? I mean, for guys like me, if I had that career, I'd be the happiest, nicest, most professional motherfucker you ever met. Like, hey, is it, I'm off to do another fucking movie. And, yeah, I'm doing what I love to do. And this guy's in the fucking bathroom, couldn't wait to fuck it up and shoot heroin. And he's got three little kids. I mean, I feel bad for his kids. I mean, they got to grow up without a dad. But there's a lot of people losing children. I mean, I see it, people that are in Philly on my Facebook feed. I see it all the time. And you would think, I mean, they better do something because this is fucking it ridiculous it is fucking ridiculous war on fucking drugs my ass you better for you want to declare war on drugs you declare war on drugs and get them off the fucking street are you thinking i mean i i used to i used to believe me i you know i used to party and all that stuff but I, that, that that shit is fucking evil man that is fucking devil shit right there i mean and i and i haven't done any of that stuff in a long time I and mean, i'll I occasionally i'll snap off a little piece of edible have a little glass of wine. I, I mean, but I, I gotta tell you, I, but yeah, but I gotta tell you something though. Yeah, but I gotta tell you something though. For me, it's like you know, if you would do, if, if just give a, if you snap off a little piece of edible, you'd have no need for fucking antidepressants. I have a little piece of edible. I'm fucking zipping it, dude. Oh my, what a wonderful day! Hey, zipping it, dude. I'm just gonna skip in my step. I'm happy. I'm laughing my balls off. I mean, try some of that before you get on Zoloft and Prozac. And edible, and there's no side effects. That's a beautiful thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> What's up for Jimmy Schubert What's up, in the house, here. Rodrigo? What's up? Got any dates want to plug? Man, just uh, yeah, I got, I got. Page? I'm doing a, I'm doing the Addison Improv in September. I think the third week in September. Uh, I'm got. Uh, I got some other stuff. I'm doing, uh, Butch Bradley's doing a room in October at 9th and 10th. I'm doing, uh, uh, Butch Bradley's. It's like a speakeasy comic club. He just opened, you know, Butch. He's doing a club down there. He just opened a club. It's a Friday, Saturday night in Atlantic City. Then I'm doing Rochester, New York. And then, uh, I just, uh, heard from my boy, uh, Vargas Mason. I, I'm getting ready to go do a European, uh, Armed Forces Entertainment Tour, which I'd love to do. I, I mean, if I have a good year and stuff, I love going to entertain the troops. For me, uh, it's the, you know, they're tough. But this, but I, like last, Thanksgiving, I did Cuba, Honduras, El Salvador, 
I mean, unbelievable, dude. Releasing baby turtles on the beach in El Salvador. You had to wash your hands with the sand because you don't want to get your, you know, because the turtles come back there 20 years and release their eggs on the same beach. So you're releasing baby turtles there. That was cool. They went zip line over to coffee trees. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's crazy. I love doing it. Like, like, cause I travel so much. Those trips for me are just for me. Like I do, I do Asia, man. You ever do Asia? Never. Ah, oh, dude, we gotta hook you up over there. You would love. You go over to Asia. You go Hong Kong, Shanghai. All American audience, Canadian, Australians, uh, English speaking, uh, Irish. You know, and they're over there teaching English. Chinese is nothing for them to do. You would kill it over there, and you get the trip to Asia out of it. They fly you over, put you in some of the nicest hotels. You get to eat some exotic food, and you get to cross it off the bucket list. <laughs> All right, I've been to Shanghai, uh, but you know, it's uh, those trips. You know, I do. Two of those, two international trips a year that are just for me because I, I do love traveling. I love seeing the world. And where else can you do that? I mean, that's one of the great things about being a stand-up comedian. You get to go and entertain people. I mean, Amsterdam does comedy. I mean, it's. I think the internet's really kind of. I mean, when you go to Singapore, there's dude, there's a comedy scene in Singapore. They do have an open mic night in Beijing. In Beijing, you go to the bookworm, there's an open mic there, and you're going, this is ridiculous. Comedians are like cockroaches. All they need is a room with some <laughs> microphones to do comedy anywhere, even if they're in a communist country. And, like, you know, you go to, you go to, like, Singapore. Like, Singapore, that's like some Lenny Bruce 1966 shit. Like, if you, you know, like, you Bill Burr was talking, but, like, they say the wrong fucking thing, man. They go to jail. I mean, my buddy Matt Davis is over there now. He's in Indonesia. They're, they're, you talk, it's like, it's not, not a joke. These guys, but they're, they're, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you know, like jazz music, yeah. stand up comedy is a uniquely American art form. And the way we do it, it's a, it's really kind of a uniquely American art form. And so that, that they want to, people want to see how it's done when you do it. But, and you get these great, amazing trips around the world to go do it. So anyway, I, I don't want to keep the podcast going. <laughs> We're running out of time. Thanks for having me. Oh, what up? Oh, <laughs> Give us a yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, fool? August 14 and 15, I'll be in Salt Lake City. That's this week at West Valley, Utah at Wise Guys. Brea Improv, August 22 and 23rd. August 28, I'll be with Jimmy Schubert, Alonzo Bowden, that fan at Harris Resort in Valley Center, California. It's the big building in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> September 4th through the 6th I'll be at San Jose Improv Nice Yeah man Yeah man Yeah man Yeah man Also um, <laughs> That's it huh Well I'm gonna be uh, In my kitchen And when I open the refrigerator door The light comes on I'm gonna do 15 minutes Just kidding no. Jimmy Schumer From Philadelphia Pleasure, baby Hell yeah, What's up fool Skipping the beach and not close enough So that space between you and me Let's lose it The way you're dancing Swaying to the music Girl, that body and how you move it Every time you cross my mind Girl, I lose it Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist Okay With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need Get tens of millions of songs Download the Amazon Music app today